0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders to kick this one off. uh, Rather crummy update from my end on the whole house situation. And I just, I'm throwing this, I I usually don't get into my personal stuff only because it's like that's not what the channel is about. I'm not one of those people that wants to go on and be like, hey, look at me, this is what's going on in my family. I don't post on Facebook. Things are going on too because I I just, I don't need people to feel like they have to come forward and go, oh, that's too bad or whatever. It's not how I work. However, I feel like this is kind of interconnected with the whole Tom's Big Spider stuff because I had a lot of stuff coming up that was that I was excited about because of the new house we're getting. It was just going to open up everything, and obviously I've been going blathering on and on and on about that in the last several podcasts. Well, the newest update is we were two weeks away from closing, and we got a letter from – or our, our agent gave us a letter from the person selling the home saying they wanted an extension on the closing. Now, we had everything, my interest rates were locked in. I mean, not to get into the specifics, but everything was ready to go. We have been packing here. We have boxes everywhere. I'm staring at boxes all over the place. My garage is currently filled with boxes. I've purchased a bunch of tarantula enclosure, shelving, a, a cart to help me do like all this stuff we've been buying. Billy's been buying stuff for the new house. We have people coming out ready to put a fence up and just we're ready to roll. And basically, they were asking an extension for like two and a half months, and we're like, "No, come on, that's that's completely unreasonable." I understand if you know you need a little extra time to move or whatever, we give you some extra time, but it, it just it wasn't a reasonable thing. So we're like, "No, we're going to have to go back and discuss that." Well, it escalated very quick. We didn't hear anything for a bit, and we're like, "Maybe they've you know come to grips with the fact that they're going to have to move." It sounded like there was a little buyer's uh, sellers remorse. Well, we got a letter saying that, you know what, we're pulling out of the contract. We're not going to sell the house. We're staying in the house, and that's it. So heartbreaking to say the least. And again, I'm not with the good thing is these one of these, uh, one of these spots where you realize you're how lucky you are to have a great relationship because you can guys sit there and go on your walk and vent and talk about it. And there's no real stress on anything over here. The kids are upset, but it's not done yet, but obviously we're not getting in there next week. I had people lined up for the podcast. I have stuff, you know, from my end, a lot of this, a lot of the push behind moving was the fact I needed more space for the Thomas big spider stuff for my tarantulas. And, now I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with all this stuff in the garage. We're meeting with a lawyer to find out because uh, God bless my broker. We did have an ironclad contract. We, you know, we've done every, everything's done. We, the, we had the inspection. We had, you know, everything's. We were ready to roll, and now they're just breaking the contract. So we've we've got some options ahead of us we got to figure out how we're going to go ahead with it the problem is is billy and i absolutely love this home this isn't you know when anybody had done home shopping before you always get that point where you start settling and you go all right well you know it wasn't exactly what we we're looking for but this will be great and you you learn to love it this was the one it's it's we're even talking now about you know down the road if somehow this doesn't pan out in our favor, maybe we should just build one like it. But the problem is, the real estate market being the way it is, things are selling so quickly, we're kind of like there's not a lot left on the market right now. So, even for property and stuff, so trying to figure out where we're going to go with this one. But uh, creatively speaking, with the Thomas Big Spire stuff, and I'm, this is one of the reasons I'm throwing it out there. I'll, it, I was so excited about this for what it was going to allow me to do with the podcast and the videos and stuff that it's kind of taken the wind out of my sails creatively. So like this morning, usually I get up I'm like, Oh, podcast time. I get that little thrill where I'm ready to go. And this morning I got to admit, it was like, I don't feel like doing this right now. I don't feel like going on and talking. I'm, I'm just not in the mood because it's, it's been kind of a, it's been kind of a downbeat weekend. Um, and on top of it, my, I, I s- still at my old job, my, the new job that I was offered, they took so long to offer me the job that I had to stay a month at my other job. And what happened is they changed my position there because the position that I was in, it was one of the – I toot my own horn. It was probably the most difficult special education position in the school. with Working with the freshman students, you're working with eighth graders, different sending schools. It's This is going to mean nothing to anybody, but it was a tough job, and they wanted to get somebody that started right off the bat. But they put me in another program. In which I have no materials for I can't lean back every teacher starts you know for me I've got years of worth of stuff that I've created for you know my reading classes for my math classes unfortunately these are different than anything I've taught before so I had to start completely from scratch so I've been spending all of my time coming up with stuff for a job that I'm going to leave in a month I in my mind I'm still there I'm not I'm not treating it like I did people go well, you're only there for a month mail it in you can't do that the kids need you know they deserve to have somebody in there that's taking it seriously and doing a good job, so I've come up with like a huge assessment for them, everything's, we're doing hybrid model, where the kids are in school one day, and then they're at home another day, and then we have one day nobody's in school, so you have to make sure everything can go online, and people can do it that way, it's been a lot of work, and the good thing is, whoever takes over for me is going to be completely set up, I've got all the, you know, information they're going to need to get going, I, I can show them exactly what I did, what I planned on doing, but now I'm going to be leaving, And as it turned out, there was going to be a week gap between the two jobs because the new job only hires every other week on pay Friday or whatever, some crazy stuff. And I was going to be starting the week after that and I was going to be working on the house and doing all stuff over here and getting packed and that's not happening now. So I'm going to have a week of downtime to figure out what to do with myself, probably just mope around the house. But then I'm going to jump right into another job where I'm sure I'm going to have to do a bunch, you know, it's going to be a brand new job. Again, I'm not going to have the same materials that I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to use any materials or just, you know, tweak old stuff. We're going to start from scratch. So it's going to be very time intensive there. So I, I'm mentioning this for a the fact that it's going to be sapping a lot of my time. But obviously, we will keep the podcast going. That's the one I really look forward to that the videos I haven't been a video post in a while because it's just I've got all this stuff recorded. And my goal was to do the new intros from the new house and put those in there. But that's not going to happen right now. So I got to set I had taken my green screen down and packed it up in the attic. Now I got to figure out do I want to put that back up? I don't know. It's just Kind of a, kind of took the wind out of my sails. And then the fact that, you know, again, I think I got so excited about the possibilities of what I'd be able to do as far as all of this stuff in the new place that now that that might not be a possibility, that might not be, you know – we might not be getting the house. Now it's kind of resetting and going, All right, where do I go from here? It's tough when you have like I think the problem is I let my and usually I'm very good at just going, All right, well we're not gonna think about it too much until after it happens just in case. But this time I really got caught up in it and it was like, I can't wait. We bought shelving. I've got things drawn out where we're gonna put the, the all this stuff done. And I was like, Ugh, and now we're stuck here. And so That's where I stand right now. That's, again, I don't want anybody. This isn't a cry for sympathy. Don't think I I don't need people to come on. I don't want people to feel obligated to come on and go, oh, I feel so bad. It's not about that. It's just being kind of transparent as far as, because I know some people have been like, is everything okay? You've been really quiet and it's just been a lot going on and then to have this kind of emotional roller coaster of we're moving in 2 weeks to no now we're going to meet with a lawyer to find out what we can do if there's any chance of us getting this house so it's it's been kind of tough so anyway we're going to try to put that aside now get into a podcast topic This one came to me through an email, and I was not able to get the person's – a lot of times when I get something, I I ask if it's okay if I use it on the show, and I wasn't able to get a shout back on it. But it was basically a question about when do you stop worrying about your tarantulas. A lot of people that get into the hobby – get, you spend a lot of time obsessing over their care. And I think part of it is they seem to be such a unique animal. It doesn't take long before you realize it's a little different than taking care of your average mammal pet, mammalian pet. And I think a lot of us, and I'm going to include myself into this one, obsess over them to start we've all been there you buy your new spider you put it in some dirt you stick it on a shelf and then you just stare at it and you start freaking out and you start obsessing does that do those movements look like dks it just buried itself can it breathe it doesn't seem to be using the water dish is the enclosure too big is the enclosure too small it's not eating is it fasting is it in primo all of these questions go through your mind you tend to freak out. And then for some of us, it ends up with us reaching out to people or going on forums or message boards or Facebook groups to try to figure out if what you're seeing is normal. Now, I'm sure some of us were able to hop right in and be like, yep, didn't bother me at all. I'd done my research, but I will tell you, and the reason I'm using myself for an example is I get approached by people that are usually very apologetic that they're asking questions. And may it be a question that I've been asked many times before? It could be. It absolutely could be, but I do get the motivation behind it. I think for a lot of us, myself included, when you first get into the hobby, you obsess over the care of these guys. You are so worried that you're going to do something wrong, something that's going to end up with the death of your tarantula, that in many cases, it causes us to actually go from having good husbandry to actually going overboard and creating that situation that could put your tarantula in jeopardy. So for example, somebody emailed me recently, said they were worried about their tarantula had been buried for about two months. It was like, uh, I believe, an inch and a half juvenile, and I want to say T. pelosis Seems to be the one we get a lot of. I can't remember the species, but it was one that this is general, this is normal behavior. And they were like, is this normal behavior? Should I be worried? Should I open up the hole? And I did my whole spiel. Listen, when it buries itself, do not open up the hole. Don't shove anything down in there. Don't put you know insects in there. Leave it alone. It'll come out. Just keep part of the substrate moist, and it should be just fine. Well, follow-up email, the person emails me and says, I think I just screwed up royally. They went in and dug it up and it just so happened that it had just molted. And they were freaking out because like, oh my gosh, this thing, you could tell it had just molted. It was still soft. It was all scrunched up. I think I might've killed it. There's an example of somebody that's, (laughs) maybe we should call this one caring too much, where you worry to the point where you become obsessed and you start doing things that deep down, you know, are wrong or have read that are wrong. But you're worried because you don't want to be inactive and not do anything when you should have done something. It's it's a, I can, believe me, I've been there. I shared the story about my hapalopis species Columbia large slings. I had three of them that I originally purchased and I had one that had buried itself. And this was, I had been in the hobby for a little while. There's really this, I'll tell you flat out, there's really no excuse for me here and one of them I hadn't seen, and I was dropping little pre-k- pre-killed food items in, they didn't seem like they were moving, it had been quite a while, and I hadn't seen this spider, and finally I'm like, you know what, I gotta dig this thing up, I, I think it's dead, and I told Bill, I, go, I-, I got a funny feeling this one's dead, and I took it out, I remember taking it on my dinner table, it was a little long dram vial, and I carefully cleaned all the dirt out of it, and what comes rolling out, one really angry haplopus species, Columbia large, because it was perfectly fine, it had molted, was probably ready to surface anytime anyway, and I just dug it up, that thing was upset, and it should have been, because I shouldn't have dug it up, so I want to make very clear as we go through this one, that I do a lot, of, I've done a lot of this stuff, and having been it, and dealt with spiders for a long time now, and written about them, and done videos, and talk about them, I still have my moments where you, where I second guess myself, so I think part of it is to understand that for, And it depends on the personality type, but I think for a lot of us, for conscientious keepers, there's always going to be that level of like – anxiety hopefully it's a healthy level we don't want something where you're having nightmares in the middle of the night like my spider is going to die but I think for the majority of us that are really into spider husbandry we're always looking at ways to make things better we're always making trying to be ensure that our spiders have the best care possible and we've seen enough things during our tenure in the hobby to recognize there are some instances where things go wrong and then you don't know what to do and those are the ones that get to you and those are the ones that make you act out sometimes irrationally or jump the gun and do things like dig up your spider we all do it. I've spoken to other keepers that have been in the hobby for a long time. They still stress over molts. That's a big one. Why do we stress over molts? Because a lot of times if, you know, if a tarantula is going to have a bad moment and something's going to happen to it, it's going to be during that molting process. Either it didn't have enough moisture beforehand or just something happened within the spider that leads to a bad molt, and next thing you know, it you have, you know, a spider that looks horribly mangled. You have a wet molt; it's lost a couple limbs. There's skin stuck to it, and then the panic sets in. So, let's tackle this question first from the beginners, because I think that this is kind of a, the question was coming from somebody who's just in the hobby, and basically. The rest of the the email goes. Uh, he obsess. He checks on them constantly. He's always you know adding more water. He's worried he didn't add enough. He's worried he add, he added too much. He's one filled up his water dish. Is it gonna you know die because it, it it dumped it up out and filled it with dirt? And I get it. It's all those questions. So let's start talking from the beginner's perspective. It does get better right off the bat. It does get better. I can remember how obsessive I was. I can remember clear as day my little tarantula room at that time where I had one little shelf with a bunch of little. Tarantula is on it, and then my queen, the, the G. Porteri, was on it. I was in that room with a flashlight every spare moment. Not because I was like, wow, look at my spiders, and I, I'm so excited to see them. It was more like a oh gosh, have I done something wrong? I better keep checking on them and make sure that they're okay. It was that level of obsessiveness to their care. And this lasted for months, if not years, if I'm being honest. I was constantly in there with a flashlight, checking on things. And there were some situations where it it was good, where I caught things that maybe I, you know, wouldn't have caught otherwise. But I think a lot of us get into the hobby and there is that beginning, that first period where we first get them and we obsess, and that's when uh, the good keepers, what they'll do, and this is kind of almost can be to your detriment, you notice something in your in your collection, my tarantula buried itself, what do you do? You hop online and you read a million different things about tarantulas burying themselves being normal, which could be good in a way, because you will go through and you will find information that will tell you, overwhelmingly, you know, that it's nothing to worry about, this is normal, but then you'll stumble on that one article where somebody will say, I remember... <laughs> Somebody wrote and had uh, something where people were talking about their tarantula burying itself and being okay. And the person said, yeah, I thought my tarantula was okay, but I put a big rock in there. And when I finally dug it up, it ended up, she had dug, the rock had crushed her and killed her. And I didn't realize it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And then I started worrying, like, are these little pebbles that I have in my substrate? Are they too big? Could, could this kill it? So it's one of those things you'll, you'll tend to gravitate toward the one story that kind of goes against all the other ones that says, yes, something really bad could happen. This is one of the reasons why I've hesitated over the years to bring up the the few occasions I've had where a spider has indeed buried itself and not come up after a molt to eat. Like It seems like they go down so low that they either get disoriented or the other belief or the other theory is that in the wild they would dig down and they would find things under the dirt that they could eat so they're not really concerned with coming up. Whatever it may be, it happens on occasion. But every time I mention it, I realize somebody, some new hobbyist is out there with an LP or I I don't know, what name a species that buries itself, most of the slings, and they're freaking out because they haven't seen it in a few weeks, and then they go and they read whatever I sent on it, or they see my video where I say, yeah, this one here, this g polka buried itself, it didn't come back up, and they're like, oh, that's it, I got to dig it back up, so it's tough because you want to make sure you share information like that, but again, you recognize immediately that you're going to be the person <laughs> That kind of crushes the confidence of a keeper who's out there looking for information, telling them that it's okay that their spider has buried itself. So, I think with a lot of this, I do encourage people when you have a situation when you're seeing something weird, the first thing you should do is hop online and and hear from real keepers. Arachnaboard is a wonderful place because there is just so much in years and years, decades I think of information there of keepers that have pretty much approached every question you could possibly ask, and you're going to find something on there that should let you know is this something to be alarmed about, or should I just calm down and let it go, and I've done that, I can remember, again, I've spoken about it many times, my first sling was, well, we had two, bought two at the same time, but I always consider this my first, because it was the first one I ever rehoused, I bought a Laziodora, Laziodora Parahibana sling, and it immediately buried it, it ate once, and then buried itself, and that was the one I was just staring at for a couple weeks freaking out because I'm like, this can't be normal. And I did that. All right, guys, you ready? I'm going to admit to it. I did the same thing. I'd be like to Billy, like, can they breathe under there? Like, it's been under the soil. I can't possibly breathe, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to die. It's going to suffocate. Should I open up a little hole, give it a little breathing space? Even thought about, like, using a straw or something. This is the level I came at. And, and to put it out there... I read up for months, if not close to a year, before I end up buying my first sling. I did a ton of research. I'd already read about the things bury themselves. But unfortunately, once reading about it and experiencing it tend to be two different things. As soon as you experience it, you start to, the doubt sinks in. You start to worry about what you're seeing, what you're seeing is not right, that maybe I'm the exception to the rule. So I can remember going on Arachnoboards and I found something where somebody said, yeah, my LP sling buried itself for three months. It just popped up and it's fine. I'm like, all right, it's been like two months. It wasn't even two months. I think it was by that point, probably six weeks. I need to calm down and just let it go. And what do you suppose happened? Like two weeks later, maybe not even two weeks later, the hole opens, there's a little molt out there and there's my spider, just a little bit bigger, ready to eat. So I kind of learned a valuable lesson that day to just kind of relax and recognize that, you know what? You sometimes just need to tamp down that anxiety. You need to tamp down those emotional knee-jerk reactions and recognize that, listen, this has happened before to many people. Listen to the information out there recognize that it's not a weird thing and take a step back and try to just relax about it. Now, obviously, we started talking about the burrowing for us because that seems to be the one that gets everybody. But there are. And if you think back, for those of you who are just getting into the hobby, hopefully this is helping you feel a little bit better that, you know, what everybody's gone through this. It's not it's not unique to you. You're not probably not over-stressing because I don't think anybody that I know stress as much as I did when I first got into the hobby. I, I was one of the worst worry warts as far as my collection goes that I've ever encountered. And obviously I've talked to many, 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 many people over the, people over the years. But the burrowing tends to get people. But there are, if you think about the hobby, and again, I always try to simplify it, and I do think that it is a very simple hobby once you get your quote-unquote sea legs with it. Once you start to get a general understanding of how things work, that there are only so many setups, that there are only so many different ways to keep substrate, there are only so many ways to keep arboreals, it starts to the what seems to be initially an overwhelmingly large learning curve. You start to recognize that curve flattens quite a bit. And next thing you know, you like, I look at the learning curve now and it looks ridiculously easy, but that's because of experience. And I think that's going to be the key moving ahead. A lot has been said over the years of the importance of experience. I've been, you know... It usually comes up when people talk about when they're ready to keep old world tarantulas and people will go, well, you need some experience. And people go, well, how do I get experience if I don't keep old world tarantulas? It's not just with keeping old worlds. I won't get into that whole discussion, but I do feel like with keeping old worlds, there is a level of experience that many people, not everybody, somebody will come on and go, I picked up an OBT right off the bat. Totally cool. But the, many people need to build up that experience level with their rehousings, with recognizing these things like the burrowing like when to fill a water dish how to moisten substrate the things that you lose sleep about at night you have to get the experience to be comfortable with just the basic husbandry before you move into old worlds well with just regular tarantula keeping you have to just get experience to start alleviating some of that stress that comes from keeping one of these new unique creatures so we talk about the burrowing another one again the moist substrate which i've done videos on and everything that one drives me nuts because not a lot of people would explain exactly how it works. You go keep the substrate moist, keep the substrate moist. That sounds great on paper, but I can remember the first time I started using topsoil and I filled the container up with topsoil and it was nice and moist. And I put, I believe it was the, uh, Selena Cosmia Crassipes in it. She dug, she did a burrow, everything was great. Well, then I noticed that the substrate was drying out a bit up, up on top and I freaked out and I'm like, Oh, it's getting too dry. She's going to, she's going to dry out. She's going to have a bad mold she's going to die, so I'm panicking, and so I go to add water to, I pour the water, and the water just puddles on the top, it doesn't sink in, it's not like, you know, everybody talks about moisten the substrate, and just let it sink right in, it wasn't going anywhere, and I remember putting on the shelf, I came back later, the stuff that didn't evaporate, just turned into mud and slush on the top of the, the enclosure, it next day, it had completely dried up and hardened, it looked like a cracked riverbed, it was a nightmare, so I remember going to do some research and somebody on Arachna board said, Hey, I'm having some trouble with adding water. How do you guys do this and get it to soak in? And somebody came on and offered the amazing advice. Easy, you pour water in. It's not that hard. Well, it can be hard because that's something people weren't talking about. The fact that depending on the type of substrate used, yeah, if you got cocoa fiber and you pour in a bunch of water, it's going to soak right up like a sponge. It might not get to the bottom layers. It might evaporate quickly because cocoa fiber doesn't hold onto it much. But there are different properties than, say, topsoil, which I was using, which has got sand in it, fine sand, Dirt rocks—it's much more dense and compacted. So when it dries out, it tends to close off, and it does not absorb water well. So there's where you create the little anxieties because you've done the research, you've read, you you know you don't spray, you know you just pour water in. Maybe you're trying to make it rain. Maybe you've seen one of my videos and you're like, "I, I like that idea, but then when you go to do it, it doesn't work out the way you're expecting, and now the panic sets in. Am I doing this wrong? You come back the next day and realize it's all evaporated, and that the enclosure is dry again, and you start to freak out because nobody explains the fact that you know what you can mix the soil with some things like sphagnum moss you can mix it with sand you can mix it with vermiculite to increase its ability to absorb and hold on to water nobody talks about the trick where you can pour it down the side of the enclosure and have it go down underneath you don't know this stuff so then again the anxiety is created you start freaking out I went through this when I moved into moisture dependent species. I obsessed over these things to the point where I was probably overdoing it and probably put my spiders in jeopardy at first until I finally took a step back and said, Listen, what am I doing here? Calm down. Because I would be one that would go in, and as soon as I noticed that top layer of substrate drying out, I would go in and pour more water in. And it would dry it again. I'd pour more water in. Next thing you know it, I have mold. I have some fungus growing in there. And I'm like, I don't understand. I've got good ventilation. Well, we don't learn until later on or we don't hear a lot of people explain the fact that you only want those – you basically want that bottom layer to stay moist. You want a, a place that the spider can burry, burrow to, find the moisture level it needs while the top dries out and keeps things be, from becoming stagnant. I, it took me a while to learn that trick. I mean, is it out there? Of course it's out there and I'm not the first person to say it and I don't want to think people are like – I'm trying to take credit for something that's been out there for a while but it's something I try to make a point of mentioning now because I remember what it was like to not get is it simple adding water to substrate in theory yes but there are some little nuances to it that we don't always talk about that can make it more difficult and lead to stress and again I think that's part of the reason why people that get into the hobby become so stressed out so quickly is the fact that there is a ton of information out there and not all of it is clear not all of it is good and it leads us to second guess what we're doing because if you go out there and find somebody that says and there are still people that will do the spraying or misting they'll say all right i have a so i was reading it the other day i take my sea lividus and i missed it twice a week that's great for adding a little moisture for a little while but your substrate if you've read that this thing needs moist substrate guess what that's not going to keep your substrate moist at all that thing's going to dry out in a heartbeat so someone who might have done all the research found somebody that said they just spray it they think this is a good idea it's not working right they start panicking you see how it works the water dishes When I first got into the hobby, I was very lucky that, well, back when I first got into the hobby, I pulled the sponge out early because it just looked disgusting. I noticed the spider drinking. It seemed to be fine. So I'm like, I think it's going to be okay. I gave it a shallow water dish and I knew about book lungs. So I'm thinking for it to drown, it really has to lay its whole bum in there. But there are a lot of people that believe you have to have sponges the not giving the water dish to a sling luckily this is seem this myth seems to be gone now but when I first got into the hobby for every one person it would say all right it's totally okay for you to put a water dish in with a sling there are a bunch of people going don't do it your sling is going to drown or criticizing people would post videos up or photos up of their sling with a little bottle cap and they'd be like you need to get that out of there your spider is going to drown and problem is all that misinformation the voice of the people that were incorrect was louder than those of the people that knew what they were talking about so a lot of people were afraid to put water dishes in there, and I I try to make a point of it in my videos, and try to make a point of the fact that I've done it for years, and not had a single one drown, so that people that are watching those can go, oh, okay, he's been, he's not only saying that you can put one in there and it won't drown, he has the experience to back up that that's true, because I do get people that contact me and go, listen, I have an inch and a quarter be smithy and i want to put in a little you know cap bottle cap of water in there i'm I'm really worried about is it going to drown they just want somebody to tell them it's okay but you can see where the anxiety starts as a new keeper because you put that water dish in there and then you stare at it and you keep checking out because you're like i know i've been told they can't drown but what if that information was wrong? What if they can drown? And I know this because from experience, when I first started putting water dishes in with my slings, I had read from a keeper who had been keeping way longer than I had that said, listen, I've used them for years and never had a problem. I'm like, you know what? This guy obviously knows what he's talking about. I'm going to give it a try. So although logically speaking, I recognize a guy with experience who's done this for years said it's okay. I checked on those things constantly. I was afraid I was going to go in and find one. I remember finding one of them, taking a drink. I'm like, it's drowning, it's drowning. And then I looked in there and I was like, no, it's not drowning, it's getting a drink. This is totally normal. And again, started reassuring myself, like with my G. Porteri, they have the book lungs. They have to really, like, they have to be injured or sick to really fall in and not be able to get on one of those dishes and drown. So little by little, what happened? I got experience as I kept more and saw that they weren't drowning and realized that, You know what, these people were right, they're not gonna die. I was able to relax a little bit. So, again, the experience part is a key with this whole thing. I think for those of us who get in and start freaking out and panicking about it, it doesn't necessarily go away completely. And I think part of that's because. Again, they're not the most expressive animals in the world, and it can be difficult to recognize when something's wrong until it's too late. So I think because of that, we tend to you know pay more attention to them. At least I think good hobbyists, you should be in there every once in a while checking on them. We're just not doing it daily or hourly, or in some cases, like I remember being in there like every half hour. Part of it was the fascination. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I was enamored with these things and totally fascinated by them, but a lot of it was just that uncertainty, like, am I keeping them right? And if I'm not, I better be paying close attention so I can fix it. We've all been there. And again, I try to explain to people that they'll like tell me something like, Yeah, my tarantula looks like he's in pre-molt, and I'm kind of freaking out about it. I still freak out over that. I still worry. I know that there that's when something's gonna go wrong, chances are, you know, health-wise, it's gonna happen during a molt. So I still sometimes worry about that. I still have situations and I will throw this out there where a tarantula has buried itself. I haven't seen it in quite some time, and I'm starting to worry that something is wrong. We've that doesn't completely go away nor should it so if for people that are asking about you know those new tarantula keeper jitters and the new tarantula keeper anxiety does it ever completely go away I don't think it I think there's always a little bit there is always at least for me I'm sure other people will chime in and be like you know what I don't I don't sweat it anymore I'm totally confident but I still you if you're in the hobby enough, you get that experience that allows you to recognize the majority, 95% of the time, what you see is normal and you start to relax about it. But you're also in it long enough to recognize that there are those weird little occasions that, you know, that 5%, of the, you know, I'll go 98% of the time it's normal, 2% of the time you get that 2% of the time where something's not right. And those are the ones that get stuck in your mind, like something that buried itself that didn't come up. And then you, you know what? You're right. There was something wrong. It wasn't coming up to eat. It was incredibly skinny. Those are the ones that kind of stick in your brain, like little slivers and create little slivers of doubt. And then never allow you to quite get to that point where you can let your guard down. So I think all in all, if you're just getting into the hobby, if you're just starting off, anxiety is to, it's it's totally reasonable it does go away the more experience you get as the weeks go by as the months go by as you get more species and get more you know, experience and more confidence, it goes it dips to a very comfortable level. Are there going to be times where you're, you know, agonizing over whether or not you should rehouse or whether or not you should try to dig up the mealworm that went in there, or whether or not you should add water, or whether or not that, you know, you should try to get the piece of skin off of the tarantula that just mold. Yeah, there's still gonna be things that pop up. They're animals. That's what happens. If you have dogs, same thing happens. They have health issues, they have things go on that you gotta get checked out. That's totally normal. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But it should be kept at a healthy level. It shouldn't be to the point where you're losing sleep at night or in there constantly checking. And I do think this is kind of why we get people going on the boards and on the you know groups asking questions that we've heard a million times. Because, again, the anxiety, when it picks up, you don't care anymore. You know you've read a million times that burrowing, burrowing is a normal behavior. But you want to hear it from a person. You want people to make you feel better and tell you. To your face, not just an old post that you're reading somewhere. It's okay. Your spider is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. So I do believe that's why we need to be a little more cognizant of that fact on the groups. I was witness a couple weeks ago to one on a group that was kind of surprised about where somebody literally got shredded. Billy saw it. They ask a question that unfortunately is one of those ones that people consider to be a stupid and old question that's been answered a million times, but everybody just ripped them apart instead of just taking a moment to explain why they feel the way they, and I know it gets annoying, but I will tell you, I've been doing this for many years now, I answer these questions all the time, if you can't do it politely and constructively, just don't chime in, let it go, it's not, I think people take it personally, like, why haven't you read this before, well, they probably have, they probably read it many times, they want to hear it from a living human being, they want somebody to respond to them personally, to say it's okay and again that's that beginner's anxiety where even if you do your homework ladies and gentlemen I know we have a lot of people go do your reading do your homework you should be doing you should be doing your research that's the one we throw around and I agree everybody should be doing their research and I agree that a lot of people don't do enough research or they want things spoon-fed to them. They pick up the tarantula and then they hop on a board and go, hey, I just picked up this thing. I got it in a 10-gallon aquarium. It's an inch long. I've got it on marbles and glass. What do I am I what am I doing wrong here? We've seen it and it's annoying and I get that. But there are also a lot of people that do all of their research. They do they read up, they've been doing it for months but then they get the spider and they're actually witnessing the stuff themselves and they freak out a little bit. That's that anxiety. That's that new keeper anxiety. And I think we need to be a little more cognizant of that when dealing with people and recognizing, even when it's somebody that didn't do the research. And I get that that's, I think there's a tactful way to say, Hey, you probably want to do a little more reading before you get another pet, but then think about there's an animal's life on the line there. So if you insult them and drive them away, that animal doesn't get the care it needs. If you sit there and go, all right, Here You probably should have done some more reading, but here's the answer to your question. At least that person gets the information they need. And bottom line, if you think you're going to somehow put a stop to people that go out there and buy pets and don't do the research first by insulting them, that's not how it works. It's not going to work that way. And again, we're always going to have the people out there that have done the research and they're out there looking for some type of validation, looking for some type of comfort to know that, hey, it's okay what you read is true. Your spider is all right. So for those of you that are agonizing over it, it comes with the territory. It took me, I don't know. I would say it took a year or so for me to really calm down. And it was still like, I, at that point, I was still not comfortable with what size enclosures to put in. Because again, there are a million different little nuanced things that we can discuss and a million different points of view on them when you go and do research that can leave a new keeper feeling confused even after doing the research so like the cage we did something i did one recently on when to rehouse that's something that just kind of you get a feel for and everybody's there's no right or wrong i could say hey i would put something in a gallon size somebody else might go no i'd go two or three gallons who's to know who's right or wrong there's a lot of gray area there but it is something that people agonize over and it is something that can cause some anxiety when you're looking at a spider. And especially if it's your first rehousing and you're kind of nervous about the rehousing and you're also nervous about whether or not to put it in the correct size, that creates that anxiety. That, that leaves you with a situation where you're walking into the tarantula room. You're going to go feed your tarantulas and you're like, should I, this one just molted. Do I feed it a few times now and leave it in the enclosure? Do I move it out? Those are questions that you'll be better equipped to answer as you spend more time in the hobby, develop your own preferences, and develop your own kind of personal idea of when you need to rehouse. So again, it comes down, experience is key to alleviate that those new keeper anxieties, to bring more comfort to it. However, they shouldn't, I personally think they shouldn't ever completely go away. And I guess we shouldn't say anxiety, there should be anxiety is kind of a heavy word for it, but there's always going to be something you're stressing over. And I think those of us that really care about these animals, that's healthy. We want to make sure we're providing them the best care possible. We don't want anything bad to happen. We've seen enough to let us know that the majority of time it's okay, but there's always those times where something is not quite right and and our instincts prove correct. And we want to make sure that we're diligent enough to spot that when it happens, but it shouldn't be something that's creating a hobby for you. That's stressful that you're agonizing about all the time. The hobby should be fun first and foremost any hobby should be fun yeah there's obviously going to be stressors with anything you do and there's going to be stressors when you're keeping you know living animals but the hobby at the end of the day it should be a stress reliever it shouldn't be the cause of your stress so If you're agonizing to the point where it's ruining your enjoyment of the hobby, there is a problem. You do need to relax a little bit and try to figure out, you know, what's causing it. But I think for most of us, that first, when we first get in and we're freaking out and we're, you know, reaching out to people and asking people, emailing Tom's Big Spiders, posting on, you know, Facebook groups or whatever, that's totally natural. It'll, you'll eventually outgrow it. You'll eventually feel better about what you're doing. And hopefully the hobby will become more of a source of relaxation and a way to melt away stress then becoming the focus of your stress or the cause of your stress. Nobody needs that. And that's not what it's about. So again, I thought this would be a neat topic because I think for a lot of us, and I'm hoping people chime in that have been in the hobby for a while and back me up with the fact that it never goes away. We're always worrying about something. It's kind of the nature of keeping live animals. And I don't want to c- convince anybody that, yeah, there'll be a point where you're just sitting there like, hey, ain't no thing. It's my collection. There's always, you're always going to worry about something. But I think that in that new keeper energy, that terrible stress you get when you're freaking out that everything you're doing is wrong, that goes away rather quickly. And it just takes some time. Usually what I, for me, what I tell people is after a couple molts, you start feeling more confident. If the spider molts in your care, has a good molt and it pulls out of it, it grows, it's eating. You start to realize, hey, I, I can do this. And you start relaxing a little bit. When the spider buries itself, pops up the first time, drops its molt out and, and reemerges, you realize, oh, it is normal for them to burrow. It did live down there two months with no air and no water. You start to recognize that stuff. So experience is key as with any hobby, as with any endeavor, sport, whatever you may be doing. And I think with most, most folks, it won't be too long till you're starting to feel that comfort level where the majority of the hobby is stress-free for you. So, Anyway, wanted to cover that one because I've had people ask before, and I think it's a good way to to tell people you don't have to apologize when you ask me a question that you think I might have answered a million times before, because I do get it. I do remember, and I do. There are still things I stress over, so it's very easy for me to get. And, you know, again, I'm sure somebody will chime in and say, oh, I don't stress at all. Totally cool. I'm not, I, I'm sure there are people out there as cool as a cucumber. I just think it's important to let folks know that even those of us who've been in the hobby for a little while that have some experience, we still, we still have our moments where we stress about things. That's just the nature of the beast. All right, so moving on, just a brief update on the P. Metallica enclosure. Obviously, the last podcast was about the fact that we thought there might have been a death. We're still trying to figure out if that – I'm – here's where we're at right now. We we opened up that whole bolus, and it didn't seem – I've pulled out big bolus. I pulled out, for example, if you feed – tarantulas a hissing cockroach a large hissing cockroach the bolus that comes out is a disaster it's a mess it's nasty it's there's still some like especially if it ends up in a water dish there's still chunks of stuff in there this seemed to be very very dry and hollow it was in a water dish there was no odor to it there was like no moisture left in it so I'm again that theory that maybe somebody caught up a molt at the same time with the cricket and rolled it all up there's might be that that could be what we saw. That's why I want to throw out there because what happened is the other day, my son and I were trying to count them again and we thought we might've caught seven out, but we couldn't quite, there's a spot behind where I laid, I I created too good of a hide with the cork bark. There's a spot where they can't seem to, you can't see into, and we think there might've been seven. So the jury's still out on whether or not one of them was actually cannibalized. And again, I know I mentioned the last one, I was hopeful. I do have more hope now that there may actually be seven in there. We won't know until we separate them. And I do still plan on separating. Now, we're in a little pickle now because my thought process was we're moving to the new house next week. And I'm going to immediately bring those over and separate them into separate enclosures. But I don't currently have to do some real rejiggering around the tarantula room to make sure I have the room for the extra cages. Because you guys are getting pretty big. They need some decent size enclosures. So the plan is still to separate them. But I've seen I've fed them twice since I've been pumping food in there. They've been eating. The other thing is I have not seen a spider yet that was big enough that looked like it had ate another whole adult because if that had been a whole spider and those guys are pretty good size that would have been a full meal that would have fattened something right up and nobody in there is particularly fat so two I might have jumped the gun but it did get me worried it did you know it was a weird development it did look like a bolus from something so we'll see so the jury's still out fingers crossed guys that it, it was a mistake and that the bolus was actually an old molt that got pulled up and and I had seen it happen before But as of right now, I'm still not completely sure. But it's got me thinking, again, it did get me thinking about the fact that I do have them crammed together. They deserve to have their own enclosures. So I think the, there's no I think, the experiment's done regardless. It's just how quickly I have to separate them. So I will keep people updated on that as we go. And we'll probably do a video when we separate them out because that's going to be a lot of fun because there's either six or seven, you know, four and a half, five inch. Bokies in there that have to be moved into another enclosure so that'll be definitely a little stressful hopefully this time I'll remember to keep the cap on for anybody that saw I keep the top on the video where I rehouse them the last time into their current enclosure if Billy wasn't there I probably would have had one on my chest because I kept forgetting to put the cap back on my catch cup so hopefully it'll go a little bit better next time but that'll be something I'll keep people updated on because I know a lot of people are going to be asking and a lot of people are going to be wondering about it and I want to make sure everybody is up to date with all the information I have. Have. so that will probably about do it for this episode again, apologize for uh, opening out on such a personal and kind of downbeat note, but just want people to know what's going on over here so if you know again, I podcast I shouldn't have any trouble keep going I'm just really disappointed that I'm not able to get the guests on that I, I had some people lined up I had some that was going to approach we're going to kind of open up to bring some guests on, but that'll have to wait a little bit until I got some type of space to do it. Who knows maybe I'll move things up to my attic. I can deal with the cold it's the heat that kind of bothers me but it'll probably, be, it's going to be a little while before we're able to do that, so kind of bummed about that, but know that I will keep it going, and there shouldn't be any problems there, just the videos, trying to sit down, find the energy to go through the videos right now, now that I kind of shut down my my little attic studio is, eh, it's a little difficult, but we'll see how it goes, again, don't worry about going, I didn't put this up there for people to come on, and you know, be like, oh, I feel so bad, it's, it's fine, things happen, it's totally good, I'm very fortunate that I have a you know, again, Billy and I were walking and I'm like, all right, I'd rather have a good relationship in the house right now. And that makes all the difference in the world when you can just sit there and be each other's support and go, all right, one way or another, this will turn out okay. Maybe we'll build a house, who knows? And I'll be able to design my own room, but it's just not going to happen as soon as I had hoped. So I will keep people updated if you want to hear it or just feel free to comment, in go t- chime in in the comments and go, Tom, we really don't want to hear any more about this, whatever it may be. But again, I just want to keep people up to date so that you know why I'm a little scarce lately, because I've been trying to keep up with the Facebook thing, my YouTube comments—I'm behind on. It's just ooh, getting stressful. So, that will do it for this time. As always, I truly appreciate everybody that listens to this. I, I again, I know I I say it, and it's kind of become like my sign-off thing, but I, I really do appreciate the fact that everybody invests their time listening to me. I love hearing about what people are doing when they listen. You know. I've had people there doing deliveries. I had an Amazon delivery person that said they put on, which I found great because my Amazon delivery people have been so flipping nice. I buy everything from Amazon. So it just kind of made me like happy to be like, hey, yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, feel free to ch- chime in with that as well. I'd love to hear what, you know, anybody that wants to tell me what they're doing when they're listening to this. I find that the coolest thing in the world that I'm the background noise. And it's some really unique things they're gardening, they're housework, people are at work. Again, there's somebody that they have a meeting that they pretend to be listening to the meeting, but they have their earphone in, they're listening to me. That just, it's amazing. So, Thanks all. I hope everybody's doing well. Please stay safe and we'll catch you all next time.